Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast has been brought to you by France and Bank and Trust. Oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, oh, welcome back to the Star Tribune Talk and Preps Podcast. I'm David Levake, and this is, well, Jim Paulson, you know, the, the, the one, the only. Um, you spot that reference? You probably wouldn't. The uh, All that intro, that comes from a outtake by the Beastie Boys called Skills to Pay the Bills, which I think we have. I think I think uh, Beastie Boys was right at the uh, the tail end of when I really started stop paying attention to pop music. You know, I think it happens to everybody as they get older. They they have uh, the pop music and the stuff that's popular at the time when they're younger, and that's what they're paying attention to. I think Beastie Boys became popular um, just at the end when I was more into the more esoteric non um, not non you know. Your, your indie band from Iceland, you know, no. <laughs> things whatever. like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, the, the power punk type stuff, and I. Uh, so it's interesting. Every now and then, I'll play like a, a, a trivia game, and I'm much, I'm much more in tune with what happened in the '70s and '80s than music as we go up to the '90s and the 2000s. If it happened in the past ten years. I couldn't tell you a band. I couldn't tell you the name of a song if it's anything that was played in a pop music uh, format. Well, it's good that we're at least tuned in appropriately to what's happening in high school sports nowadays. And there's this is a this is a, a thick, uh, compelling podcast we have for people here today. And we've got hockey. We've got football for crying out loud. We've got uh, state tournament attendance. Where do you want to kick this baby off? Well, I'll let you, you're running the show today. Why don't you uh, lead us there and I'll just kind of follow. Well, football is always, you know, we're always interested in the goings on of football and uh, you're working on covering some recruiting news. So we got some outstate football talent that is uh, making local commitments to PJ Fleck and the Gophers. Who do we got? Yeah. Kristen Hoskins is a, is a lightning in a bottle, kind of a wide receiver type, a wide receiver return man, kind of guy out of Alexandria. 5'9", about 160 pounds, but uh, quick and shifty and can really run, can really, one of those type of guys that you used to see come out of the University of Oregon. Um, he's a guy that can make things happen, and you know, he's, he can be electric. He uh, uh, committed to the Gophers, I think, in mid-February, I think it was. And then just a couple of days ago, they got an offensive lineman prospect, a big athletic kid from uh, Tracy Milroy Belton and Tony Nelson who is really rocketing up the uh, recruiting rankings over the past few months after showing well in some local combines and some football showcases. So um, it's good to see that, that there is still some interest in the Gopher football program in uh, outstate Minnesota. They've, they've done pretty well. They've lost a few kids out of the Metro and every, and, and you see some kids filter off to the South Dakota States and the North Dakota States. But uh, uh, I think PJ has done a pretty good job of, of, closing the borders in Minnesota and getting a lot of the best kids. I always, I, I, that's a, you know, I, culture is a term I'm sick of when it comes to particularly college athletics. I think that's, that's where it's probably abused the most, but the other one is closing the borders. Well, this isn't Florida. <laughs> you know, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, yeah, I understand maybe it's good for perception to have your top end kids, you know, but, Let's just, you know, the whole idea of closing the borders. I mean, Lou, was it Lou Holtz? The, the, the arms and the, or the, the, the heart will come from Minnesota. The arms and legs will come from somewhere else. I mean, 
I mean, it, but we're about a third tier football state in the grand scheme of things. And that's, I think it's all in perspective. Right? I, I yeah. agree with you. Dave. You know, it's, it's the perspective to me is uh, you look at basketball, for example, we've had so many good kids come out of Minnesota and, in recent years, and, and hardly any of them has stayed here in Minnesota. You think about the Jones boys and Michael Hurt and you know, Gary Trent and Jalen Suggs and all. Jalen, whoever, yeah. Left, you know. Um, and then you don't get a job in this town. <laughs> Maybe they don't want a job in this town. That's the whole point. They're getting out. Um, the, uh, the University of Wisconsin just throws it right in your face. I think they have seven kids on their roster that are Minnesota kids. Um, and so I can understand the... Uh, uh, consternation about that but for the most part you know, how can you ever begrudge a kid to leave and go where they want to go to school I mean it's their life it's their dream just because they're not staying around here doesn't uh, mean anything uh, as far as they go and you wish them all good luck so Gophers are saying hello to some in-state recruits uh, we're saying goodbye to some uh, some fairly well-known names on the on the local high school coaching circuit who, who are we uh Tell, tell me who are well, you, I think I think actually I found this out from you the other day. John Hanks is left at uh, Benilde St. Margaret's. I think he helped coach them to a state championship. Was it 2017 or 2018? Just a few years ago. And uh, you, you, you know, John, he's uh, gruff, old school, you know, has that growly, scratchy voice. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, doesn't mind uh, getting down into the dirt and really, you know, getting on his players, but they love him for it. I mean, he's not so old school that he doesn't, understand new ways of doing things he's not one of those old guys that thinks water means you're weak or any of those sorts of things but he's a guy that you just everybody wanted to play for because he was a, like I said a little bit gruff a little bit uh rough around the edges uh, a guy that didn't mind saying hey he appreciates hitting and physicality in football which in some places has been kind of a code words for uh um bad things about football I mean you'd like to see a guy that, uh, that actually acknowledges that so um, good luck to John wherever he goes. He was always a, a fun guy to talk to, and and uh, and we'll miss him. Yeah. You know, and then uh, Irondale lost Fuller. Ben Fuller. Yeah. He's been coaching there, I think, since 2014. I, I think it had something to do with him taking a job in the district as a dean of students. I guess there's a, a policy within the Mountain View School District of you can't be a dean and a coach at the same time. So he's stepping away from Irondale football. So, yeah, that's a little bit of local uh, – Local. Well, he had been at um, Highland Park before that in St. Paul, yep. and, and I think that I think uh, helped kind of get Highland Park. They, they had a couple of good years when he was around and uh, and did nice things there. And, and uh, yeah, another another guy that's uh, done done good things at sort of the program's a little bit off the beaten path, as it were. Yeah, yeah, it's a program that had has had some ups and some downs for the more more years. It started under Ben Geisler before that, but uh, for more years under Fuller, they've taking the Irondale program and made it more relevant in high school football. Again, one for many years, it was, uh, you know, one of those guys that were the teams that you scheduled for homecoming opponents because you knew it was a certain victory. So yeah, for sure. Turn that program sure. around. The, uh, let's talk about other staying with current events. The, 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 the state tournament, um, the winter state tournaments that are you know starting this week with, we've got skiing going on today, uh, Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then we're going to continue on and we're going to have gymnastics and wrestling right on their heels and then hockey and basketball. The attendance policy that's been shared, uh, the high school league is going to cap attendance at 250 spectators. And that's at and some the, of these, some of these not allowing any spectators. Right. I say, and that's at the building 
uh, buildings that, you know, like Target Center and Excel Energy Center, but, but the, the Aquatic Center at the University of Minnesota will not have any spectators for boys swimming. And um, I don't know if we've, if they've determined what the wrestling situation is going to look like at St. Michael Albertville or not, but uh, uh, suffice it to say, there's still that 250. Well, now that's come into some question in the last couple of days because Governor Tim Walls was uh, talking at a press conference and saying that that he, he's, you know, considering the in-person attendance numbers for the Twins and, and for Minnesota United Soccer, uh, and he's also considering expanding attendance for the high school state tournaments. Um, for example, hockey and basketball being the top of the list. Tom Hauser of KSTP, who's a great political reporter and also does a lot with high school sports, uh, he, he tweeted that. And I tweeted back at Tom to say, well, you know, I just heard Eric Martins, the executive director of the high school league, say that the high school league is going to keep the number capped at 250 because they have a challenge that the twins and the United don't have in that you have multiple teams and multiple groups of people from multiple parts of the state that are going to be in close proximity. And, and so they want to get those groups out and the other groups in during the course of the day in a safe and timely manner. And, and they feel 250 is, is the manageable number for them. And of course, we want, so once I said that, then people said, well, they can manage more. Of course, we got a lot of, we got a lot of experts now on people moving. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, the, the idea is, well, what, why can't we do 500? Why, why can't we do a thousand? You know, the buildings can accommodate that come in one set of doors, go out another, you know, so that's, uh, that's all flying around right now. And, and we'll, you know, as we've found in the past year, good news and bad news can both come pretty quick. And, and you know, you could have some quote unquote good news on this very soon where the high school league decides, you know what, we're going to raise that number. Um, I haven't heard any rumblings of that, but certainly uh, that discussion is, is, is out there uh, from the governor's office. There's no question that the high school league has been cautious. Almost, I wonder, to a fault in how they've approached some of these sorts of things this year. They realized that their approach in the fall sports was turned out to be wrong and erroneous, even though at the end of the season, the uh, uh, uptick in cases and exposure to COVID ended the football season and the volleyball season real quick. But um, it I, I makes me wonder sometimes that the high school league has gone uh, to the point where they're, they're being so overly cautious that they haven't really uh, tried to figure out different ways they could do things. You talked about it with with um, in these big arenas. Couldn't you open up one, um, what do you call it, one uh, uh, section for, or two sections or four sections for one game and then have the other ones roped off and then the next game have four other sections. And then while the people clear out, they can be cleaning those other, those, those roped off sections for the next group to come in. There's little things like that that makes you wonder if they could have maybe uh, expanded the attendance a little bit. And it would be in their own best interest because every person that comes in is revenue and they were having revenue issues, issues to begin with. So, um, yeah, it, may, it makes me wonder if the high school league sometimes does, uh, take it a little bit too cautiously when people are just itching to get out and do things. Although I will say this, I was watching, um, a press conference yesterday with uh, Rory McElroy at the players conference. He's talking about opening things back up for COVID. And like he said, nobody wants, to be in this situation where they're wearing masks. Nobody wants to be in this situation with uh, the restrictions. It, 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 that's pretty much the given. Everybody wants to get out of this. But um, when you do actually see the restrictions open up, you kind of gives you pause to think, 
are we doing this right? Are we doing this uh, properly? Is this too early? It's hard to say because we've been so conditioned to be socially distanced now. So I can understand where the, the high school league will have some concerns about actually opening things up for more and more people. But I do think that the time and the timing may be ripe for actually attempting it right now. It may not, it may not go over. It may cause a spike again. Um, but it seems like uh, as, as we start to slowly come out of, uh, uh, out of the COVID uh, pandemic and more and more people are getting um, vaccinated, vaccinated. It, it may be time to, to, to look and, and relinquish the reins or, or loosen the reins just a bit. Well, and one of the other casualties of the precautions related to uh, coronavirus uh, spread has been the lack of non-conference scheduling in winter sports. And we actually had a really good one last night, a really good non-conference game. Uh, one of the best we've seen uh, actually in, in winter sports at all, of any gender, any sport when uh, Lakeville South traveled up to Maple Grove in boys hockey. Um, Lakeville South, well, both teams, uh, I believe, were undefeated going in. Uh, highly ranked, Maple Grove was number one, as a matter of fact. Uh, Lakeville South, I think, was in the top five. And uh, by the Twitter accounts that I've seen, I, I did not see the game, but uh, it was a uh, really a back-and-forth battle. Both teams showed well, and ultimately Lakeville South came out of there with a 4-3 to three victory that – is going to shake up the top of the rankings uh, as we as we think about what those will look like this week. Yeah, you know, I think Lakeville South is ranked number three, I believe, in Class 2A, and they only had the one tie. Both teams were, were, were uh, hadn't lost a game yet this season. Um, and so, you know, you had talked earlier in an earlier podcast about how teams playing in the Northwest Suburban in that area of town may not face consistent competition like teams in the South or the West Metro you know, and the level of competition night in and night out because of conference, um, the, the need for conference affiliations. And I'm wondering if that might have played something into uh, into last night's game. It also makes me wonder, I mean, uh, uh, if, if this is maybe a lull for Maple Grove, they had been averaging, you know, seven, eight, nine goals a game up until their last three. And they only scored three against Andover. They shut out uh, Elk River uh, five, nothing. And then they got beat by Lakeville South four to three. Those are the three lowest goal totals of them of the, of the Crimson all season long. So it could all be coming together at one time. Maybe they're they're slumping a little bit. Maybe they're uh, uh, and, and the level of competition may be catching up with them. Well, I'm not enamored with the South Suburban either as a co hockey conference this year. I think you know Northwest Suburban where Maple Grove comes from. It's all right. Maple Grove clearly you know makes a top heavy. Andover's really good, and the South you know Lakeville South's been good, but neither one of those conferences has really the depth of, of teams. So it was good for both parties to get together and play this game. I think if you're, if you're Lakeville South, it's a really nice confidence boost. And if you're Maple Grove, you know, this will put a little, uh, this will get you fired up to, to come back because both of these teams got a lot of hockey left to be played and, and deep playoff pushes are expected out of both of them. Uh, probably end up being at the state tournament, both of them. But, and so I think, this game is going to be beneficial for different reasons for both teams to, to that end goal. You know, and, and most coaches will tell you that nobody likes to lose and that they'd rather not lose at any time. But in a game like this for Maple Grove, I'm sure that they'll be able to find some silver linings in this. And it will help a coach in terms of being able to get their team's attention and make sure right. that uh, are, are refocused for the postseason. Absolutely. When you're cruising along undefeated and you're winning every game handily, 
something like this is kind of a slap in the face and, and what are they it's a cliche to call it a wake-up call but that's what it is and i think that uh it could end up benefiting maple grove in the long run yeah i uh, i'll double down on on this because i i gotta pull up here just jo toggling between computer screens place play some hold music or something while i do this will you <laughs> if I knew any more Beastie Boys songs, yeah, sing for the people, Jim. Don't, Let me don't sing some camouflage. <laughs> gonna fight for my right to party, baby. That's it. There it is. Um, there was a good game in a, a girls' hockey Tuesday night. Another telling game for different reasons. Uh, you had Breck and Edina, and uh, you have Edina's number two in AA uh, rankings, and, and could could you know, could make a case for them being number one over Andover. It's just that. We came into the season with Andover having beaten Edina for the championship and no reason to take them down a notch. And uh, But Edina's been every bit as good, and, and it, hopefully it'll end in the state tournament once again. But And then Breck, you know, they had that coaching change. Steve Pershing stepped down uh, just about a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, to, to Breck's credit, to the credit of the players and the coaches that have, that have come in, they, they have, um, you know, they've battled well. And they battled well in a loss – uh, last uh, Tuesday night against Edina. And, and I think that if you're Edina, that's a quality victory uh, for, for, for them to, to come out of a one, nothing game where clearly, you know, a bounce of the puck or a tip shot could have changed things. And if it's, if you're Breck, you know, you've, you've been losing lately, uh, even though you've battled, but I think it's another sign that, you know, what, we're when we come to play in a given night, we're still pretty darn good. And, and uh, you know, so, so hats off to both teams uh, for, for that, that one nothing result you know the Brett goalie Sarah Peterson who I mentioned in the uh as a lead athlete of the week a few weeks ago for 45 saves last night and uh on 46 shots and she gave up the game-winning goal with less than two minutes in the game how heartbreaking must that have been if you're uh, playing for Breck and you've got a chance to to uh upset Edina I mean there's a lot of crossover a lot of these girls know each other um from these teams uh, for example like the the Diana goalie Uma Cornea, she used to play for Breck. Uh, I think she led them to a state championship a couple of years ago. Um, cool. She had the shutout last night, but man, oh man, to play the Edina team at, at that talent and that skilled straight up scoreless <laughs> and the game-winning goal uh, going on you with uh, less than two minutes, That's that's got to be heartbreaking. Um, hopefully Breck will be able to bounce back from that one. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of big upsets, yeah, another one last night, girls basketball. Now, I've been touting for a week and a half the uh, um, upcoming matchups, one that got postponed and one that's having a Friday between Hopkins and um, Becker, two teams that had won combined more than 100 games since they'd lost. Uh, one was number one in Class 4A, Hopkins. One was number one in Class 3A, Becker. Then Becker had been just rolling over people. Hopkins is going to play up at Becker, on, and they still are, on Friday night. Uh, big, long winning streaks on the line. Not anymore. Becker's winning streak, which I thought was right around 36 or 37, um, ended last night when uh, Holy Angels beat them 71 to 70. And the game-winning shot was by uh, their terrific guard forward, Frankie Vassalero, whose last name you recognize because she is the daughter of Frank Vassalero and, and uh, Amelia Santanello of WCCL. Um, terrific player she is, by the way. And uh, that, that was a, a big upset for... Uh, uh, Holy Angels, congratulations and stars for winning that one. And uh, it makes you wonder a little bit. I, I don't want to project anything on the Becker team, but people like me had been uh, been um, writing so much about the upcoming Hopkins-Becker matchup. 
Made me wonder if maybe they were overlooking Holy Angels just a tad, knowing they've got the big game coming up on Friday. I hope not, because Becker's just a fun team to watch, and I don't want to make them sound like they they were doing anything wrong. But uh, um, And also that diminishes what Holy Angels accomplished, and they actually played very, very well. They handled that Becker pressure uh, incredibly well, and that's how Becker wins so many games. And actually how Hopkins does as well, because they can make uh, – a two-point game turned into a 20-point disadvantage in a heartbeat. And uh, congratulations to Holy Angels. Still going to be going to the game on the Hopkins and Becker game on Friday night, but it's not quite as compelling as it once was. Yeah, I mean, you said, you know, you were trying to make sure you didn't make the, the Becker girls feel bad. I mean, they're just being kids. I mean, it's it's hard to sustain that over the course of a year. And, and you know, the Holy Angels at the state tournament last year and and uh, they're a good quality program. So it's just just one of those things, you know. It's just hard to, to keep that intensity and that focus sky high all season long. Um, Holy Angels is going to find you out if you're not. You know, they've been to the last couple state tournaments, and they've got good players. Was Vassler 28 years old? I feel like I've been, we've been, been talking about our state tournaments for a while. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you said one thing, and I don't know if we're going to think we should probably be wrapping this up here pretty soon, but you said one thing. Uh, reason that I, that I think uh, bears repeating, and I've said this a few times, and it's something I try to operate and buy when I'm covering high school sports, and that is that they are kids, and we tend to treat them in a way like they're paid athletes, but they're not. They're they're 16, 17, 18 years old. They've got lives. They've got school. They've got all kinds of other things going on, and they're still young and not fully developed human beings. So. I think maybe we expect too much of them sometimes. And I always want to make sure I, I, uh, I keep that in the back of my mind that as much as we're talking about them and there are some players that get oodles and oodles of, of coverage, that they are still young people and they deserve to be treated and uh, as such and looked on as such and not judged harshly or criticized as much as you could, maybe a high school or a top college athlete or a pro top college athlete. Your kids are growing. Mine's just coming into this world. She's an eighth grader. And I think to myself, I interview kids that are in eighth grade sometimes. And I am always really impressed with the ones that, that handled it well. And I'm trying to picture mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, okay. You know, my daughter, maybe she'd do well. Someone interviewed her. She's, she's smart. She's, she's well-spoken, but she also puts the dishes in the wrong cupboard. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, you know, these, these kids that, that do these great things at young ages and they give thoughtful interviews you know, they're still screwing up something at home. They're still kids, you know. It's, I, I think it's, you'll it's, agree with me when you say how nice when I say how nice it is when you run across a kid who's thoughtful and, yeah. and candid and understands and is willing to give to to talk to you um, on a level that is greater than you see from a lot of kids. That's not disparaging kids, but when you find a kid that that can really, really engage you in an interview and and uh, you know, answer your questions and with uh, and with candor and with uh, honesty it's 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 really fun it makes the interview a very very fun i interviewed mara braun of yz the other day uh the great guard that's going to the u she's only a junior but man she's just a, a nice interview and, and you really appreciate kids that have that ability yeah absolutely i uh i think we did it once again we we gave we showed our skills that pay the bills thanks for being here jim thanks for being here everybody else and uh hey it's only going to get better in the coming weeks we're in state tournament time. god i hope so <laughs> it's only going to get better. better oh yeah well we're we're, we're what we're going to be but the tournaments and the content's going to be better and you can't 
can't be a, a good reporter if you have bad content. And this content is going to be some of the best that we've had because it's state tournament time. So stay with us and uh, stay safe. Thanks, everybody.